Hello, GPSers, and welcome back to another edition of the GPS Podcast as we are continuing to move through this series that we're calling Nine a Day Feasting on the Fruit of the Spirit. As the title indicates, we are currently journeying through a series focusing on that passage in Galatians 5 where Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit that is produced in our life that stands in contrast to the fruit of the world, the spirit of the world. We as followers are to have a different kind of character, a different kind of maturity, a different kind of formation because of the spirit of God. And so for the last few weeks, we have been focusing on different virtues that Paul names in this writing, love, and joy have been our previous two weeks. And this week, we're going to talk about peace. I think peace is a spirit fruit that is desperately needed in our world. And it's a fruit of the spirit that stands in stark contrast to a lot of the things that we see being produced in our world today. And so I want us to look at a passage, which is one of my favorite passages, one that I have discussed some in class before, but I feel that it is especially timely to return to, and then I want to give some reflections on this fruit of the Spirit. This is a passage from James chapter 4, starting in verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that God jealously longs for the spirit He has caused to dwell in us? But He gives us more grace. Two years ago this week, Jessica and I moved into a new house, and it was the first time that we had gone through the process of selling a house and buying a house. We had bought a house seven or eight years before, but this was the first time that we were selling a house, and that is an entirely different kind of experience, so we found out. And one of the Parts of this process, as many of you know, is that you are trying to get your house in the best shape possible. You are going over the house that you're trying to sell with a a fine-tooth comb, trying to make this house look as sellable as possible. And part of this process is what is often called a home inspection where someone comes and they inspect your 
entire home. That's why there's that creative title, home inspection, to this process. Your home's inspected. They give you the things that need to be repaired. And so your house is even in better shape because you got your repairs done. And so we went through this process of getting a home inspection done, and then they gave us a list of things that we needed to get repaired. And one of them was some plumbing repairs. Plumbing under our house and our crawl space because, according to the inspector, there was an apparent leak under our house. I say apparent because the home inspector who went under the house discovered that a pipe was showing signs of rust forming on the outside. He showed us pictures, and sure enough, there was this large circle of rust forming on the outside of the pipe. It ran under another pipe, and so he assumed that there was a leak from the pipe above it dripping onto this other pipe, creating this circle of rust. So we had a plumber come out to our home to further investigate the issue. He got under the crawl space, and I felt pretty good that things were going to get resolved up until the moment that I watched him from our kitchen window emerge from the crawl space, go to his van, grab a handsaw, and then walk back to our crawl space entrance and enter under our house, and then the next thing that happened was the sound of a saw cutting through a pipe aggressively. And I stood there in the kitchen not as excited and as assured that this was going to be an easy process as I first thought when the plumber arrived. Because I don't know a lot about plumbing, but I'm pretty sure that whenever you get a handsaw involved with a plumbing issue, then then things aren't headed in a great direction. And so I was not very excited, enthused about whatever was going on in our crawl space. And after a long time of hearing this noise and hearing this man work under our house, the, the plumber emerged holding a piece of pipe he had removed about a foot worth of pipe. And to be exact, to get technical, he removed the vent pipe because it was showing rust on the outside. He removed the piece of pipe that was rusting. And the reason that he removed the pipe is because of what he discovered after some investigation. It turns out there was no leak at all. The rust, as he would explain, was not coming from the outside of the pipe. It was coming from the inside of the pipe. The corrosion on the outside was happening because of corrosion on the inside. The issue with the pipe was not with what was happening on the outside. The issue was with what was happening on the inside. My plumber 
looked at me oddly when I enthusiastically asked him if I could keep the piece of pipe. (laughs) I'm not sure if he had ever had a customer ask for a piece of scrap that he was about to throw away, but the reason I wanted to keep it was because I felt like this 12-inch piece of pipe was kind of an aha moment for me. Not just about our house, but about our lives as Christians. Because that pipe that I held in my hand communicated a piece of wisdom that James communicates to us in this passage in James 4. And it is a truth that we need to hear if we are going to be people who produce the fruit of peace. Now, I intentionally use the word wisdom when talking about our passage because the book of James is traditionally considered to be a book of wisdom literature. Wisdom is often associated with Old Testament books, Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes, and all of those are books of wisdom. But the New Testament also contains wisdom literature, books like James. And the wisdom is always concerned with living well, The wisdom literature is always about what does it mean to live the good life. And our passage that I just read takes this topic of wisdom head on by describing for us these two types of wisdom. Wisdom from below and wisdom from above. And James describes the fruit that is produced by each of these wisdoms. Wisdom from below is a way of living in the world that is filled with bitter envy, selfish ambition, and being a boastful kind of person. And the result, the fruit of such wisdom, is a life that will be full of wickedness and disorder. In other words... When you live with that wisdom from below, then your life will end up being a wreck. But on the other hand, there is this wisdom from above. It's this way of life that James describes as pure and peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, treating people fairly and with integrity. And the result or fruit of this kind of life, he tells us, is a harvest of righteousness for those who sow in peace and who make peace. A wise life is a peaceful life. A wise life is this life of sowing, making, and cultivating peace all around. It's taking our cues from this wisdom from above, wisdom from the Spirit of God. And that's typically how we think of peace. We think of peace as something that happens between two people. We think of peace as this kind of relational glue that holds relationships together. When we talk about peace, we we think of it as something that happens around us. 
But it's what happens in the very next section of James, our text that we just read, where we begin to discover a deeper kind of wisdom and a more challenging insight based upon what James says immediately following verse 16. He writes in his letter, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. At the end of chapter 3, right after he begins, right after he ends contrasting these two kinds of wisdom, he begins chapter 4 with that passage and with this insight. James begins talking about wisdom from above, a life of peace with God and others, the harvest all around you, this harvest impacting every relationship in your life. But then, right after that peaceful image, he follows it up with this chaotic and violent image to make a point that we cannot miss if we want to be people of peace. The wise point that James gives us is that a life of peace on the outside starts on the inside. A life of peace out there starts in here. A life of peace in external relationships begins with a life of peace in our internal relationships. If we keep experiencing chaos and quarreling, then very often that is only a reflection of our internal life. Many years ago, I went through a bad breakup, and I dated an individual for about seven months, and then I decided that she and I were not going to make it in the long term. And so I sat down with her one evening to to gently and directly break up with her. And she responded great for about 24 hours. (laughs) And then she became kind of like a cyclone of emotion and revenge and hatred, all directed at me. And it turned out to be a very hard season for both of us after that breakup. And one day, I was driving with my professor as he was going to consult with a church about an hour away from where we lived. And I began to open up about this situation. I began to vent a little bit. And at that point, I had experienced a lot of hurt and anger and resentment towards her over the course of the last several months since the breakup. And he listened, and he listened well. He gave me space where I could vent and unleash a bit and be a bit more honest than I would with other individuals in my life. And on this day, he did something that he was very good at. Yes, he listened, but then 
when I finally got to a stopping point, he looked at me and he said two words. Manage yourself. (laughs) And I remember being confused and asking for clarification because it was such a simple and direct phrase. And so he said it again with some commentary. He said, Wilson, you need to manage yourself because that's all you can do. That's who you can control. You cannot fix her. You can only work on yourself. So manage yourself. And that one moment set me on a journey that I I didn't expect at the time. Because that one phrase began to serve as a kind of inner mantra to my life and relationships. I began in that moment to work on me. I began in that moment to manage myself. I began to pay attention to my inner life. And at the time, I was blown away by how insightful and wise my mentor was in his statement. But as I've reflected on what he said, I've realized that that his statement was not some independent wisdom that he created on the spot, but it was deep biblical wisdom rooted in the words of James and in the words of Scripture. Because my mentor and James realized something that, that I never knew and that I can sometimes forget. That if we do not manage our inside world, then we will be managed by our outside world. That if we do not pursue peace, so in peace, within ourselves, then we will never experience real peace around us. And that one shift, that one bit of wisdom, makes all the difference in living a peaceful life. And so you and me, the people of God, people who are trying to live by Spirit from above and produce the fruit of the Spirit, need to become aware of our internal life. You and I need to become people who do our internal work and who attend to our internal world, pursuing wisdom from above within, striving for and seeking the Spirit of God within. If we don't want to experience disorder on the outside of our lives, then we need to reorder our insides. And if this is a journey that you want to take, then then there's one other thing that James says to us this morning that we cannot miss if we want to take this internal journey of peace. Right after He points out this relationship between the external and internal worlds of our lives. He calls us out of relationship with the world and into relationship or friendship with God. And then he poses a question that is crucial for us to notice in verse 5. He says, Or do you suppose that it is for nothing that the Scripture says, God yearns jealously for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives all the more grace. 
In this teaching about our internal world, James reminds us of one of the biggest, most dominant themes we see running through Scripture. God desires to dwell with His people. From Eden to the tabernacle to the temple to Jesus to the gift of the Holy Spirit, we see this picture of a God who desires to dwell in us. And it's significant that James reminds us of this truth in the midst of a teaching where he is being candid about the chaos of our external and internal lives. Because it reminds us that even if we do not have it all together, even if we are just starting the journey of faith, we still are reminded that the love of God and the desire of God is greater than the mess in our lives. And to quote a preacher I heard several years ago, God never forces himself onto us, but God lovingly and patiently waits for us to invite him into our lives. And when we make that invitation to God, when we begin to open ourselves up to this God who wants to dwell in us, it is then that our internal world begins to be reordered, begins to experience peace, and God gives us the grace to take that journey inside. And that is a reminder that we need in this season where we're experiencing a lot of chaos. We're experiencing a lot of disorder. And so often the temptation is to point and blame, to focus on the outside of ourselves. And yet the challenge for people, men and women who want to live out the fruit of the Spirit, men and women who want to produce the fruit of peace in our lives, is to not be so quick to point to the chaos and disorder around us, not to be so quick to to blame and accuse and point the finger, but instead to be people who turn inward, to be men and women who desire and ask God to come and dwell within us and to desire and seek that spirit of God, to stay grafted in to the spirit so that a different kind of fruit can be produced in our life. And specifically in relation to this text, so the fruit of peace can be produced in our life. That we are the kinds of people who allow the peace of God and the Spirit of God to dwell more and more inside. To allow the Spirit of God to reorder us from the inside out. And then, then we will be people who produce this fruit of peace. Because you can't produce something that you're not cultivating within. 
You cannot reap something that you are not sowing. And so if we want to reap peace, if we want to produce the fruit of peace, then we need to be men and women who sow peace. We need to be men and women who allow the Spirit of God to work on bringing peace to our inner world. A couple of years ago, I went on a prayer retreat. I took a couple of days to to go away. It was right before Christmas, and I went simply to be in silence and really to make an effort to open my internal world up to God. And I went on the retreat because there was another person guiding the retreat, and so I didn't have to worry about planning and schedules and plotting out the day. I could just show up and let this other person guide me through the weekend. And one of the gifts that this retreat gave me was that the person leading it and guiding it gave us a series of prayers. Some of those prayers they prayed over us and some of those prayers they gave to us that we could pray during our time away. And on the last morning of the retreat, there was this prayer that our director of the weekend prayed that has continued to be a kind of mantra for me. It's continued to be a prayer that I've returned to over and over again as I seek to be a person of peace. Purify our conscience, Almighty God, by your daily visitation that your Son, Jesus Christ, at His coming, may find in us a mansion prepared for Himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Purify our conscience, Almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your Son, Jesus Christ, at His coming, may find in us a mansion for Himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. That image has stayed with me. That image from that one line, may God find in us a mansion prepared for Himself. What a beautiful image for those of us who want to take a journey towards peace. We're given this image of a home within all of us, a mansion within all of us with rooms and hallways and closets and plenty of space. And the journey of the Christian, the journey of the wise person, of the peaceful person, of the person who wants to be guided by wisdom from above, by the Spirit of God, the journey of that person is to begin to prepare ourselves, to prepare within ourselves a home in which God can dwell. Because God wants to dwell there in peace so that we might 
produce the fruit of peace in this world. Purify our conscience, Almighty God, by your daily visitation that your Son, Jesus Christ, at His coming may find in us a mansion prepared for Himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.